Here we go. We got 10 more days in, left in 2014. Uh, that's not a lot of time. How y'all been doing with Bible reading? Mm. Okay, who's finished? 10, 10 more days, you should be finished, right? Who's, who's going to be finished in 10 days? Okay, who's going to try to read the Bible in 10 days? Let me see you. <laughs> that means you're not working. <laughs> Um, okay, so we got 10 more days. If you have failed miserably, there's, there's mercy, God's grace. Okay, now 2015, don't be left behind um, in the sense of not reading your Bible. It's four about four chapters a day. You can do that, right? You know, everybody goes to the bathroom, right? So you can read, you can read on the bathroom um, while you're on the throne. And um, just, just make it a religious habit to read your Bible. Uh, you can find time if you are, you know, take, take it with you. You got it on your smartphones or your lunch break. Pull out the word and read it and digest it. Um, it's very important that we fill ourselves up with the word of God. Amen. How can we know him if we don't know his word? And even if you are one of those says, I've been reading the Bible for 15 years. Okay. So let this be the 16th year. All right. Do not get so familiar. Oh, I already read that. I've already read Genesis. Come on. Let's let's grow up. Let's read it again and again and again and again and again and again until we die. Amen. All right. So today we're going to talk about God with us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. There is no one like you. Who do we have in heaven besides you? Who do we have on the earth besides you? Father, we look to you, the author. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you for the precious Holy Spirit who dwells on, inside of us, who's with us, who's interceding on our behalf. But Father, we thank you for Jesus who's at your right hand, whoever lives to make intercession for us, his people. We thank you, Father, for loving us and drawing us with loving kindness that you, have drew, you drew us to Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that we have a place in you that no man can pluck us out of, that our salvation is secure. Father, nothing that we can do to earn our salvation, nothing we can do to lose our salvation. Father, we thank you, Father, that we have this blessed hope that, Lord, one day we will be changed made into the image of Jesus and forever be with you. God, we're looking forward to that day, Father. We're looking forward. Some of us are really tired. Uh, God, I, I thank you for the areas of rest that remains for the people of God. I thank you that this rest is our reward. Father, help us to work while it is day, for the night comes quickly. Father, there will be a time that we won't be able to, to do the things that we should have done. Even perhaps those who have not been consistent in their Bible reading, now's the time to step up. Now's the time to digest the word. Now's the time to learn how to pray. Now's the time to really be accountable for our walk. I pray that, Lord, 2015 will be a mark of, of spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, gospel growth, understanding of who Christ is better, learning how to read the Bible with understanding. Father, I thank you that this will be a, just a, 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 a unique year for us as we enter into it. Father, pray that there will be such blessings um, in your word that you'll bless us in prayer and in your word. And may we grow in the love of God. May we grow in the spirit, in the fruit of the spirit. May we grow in that grace. We thank you, Father. Grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened. Where there's darkness, shed light. Where there is confusion, bring clarity, Father. Where there is anxiety, bring peace. Father, in the name of Jesus, lift us up from a place of ignorance to knowledge. Father, I thank you, Father. Working knowledge, that is, Father. That, Lord, that we may know what is the hope of your calling. What are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints? What is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe? 
Grant unto me your son and your slave, supernatural divine utterance that I may boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees with that says amen. Amen. We need to pray more, and even as a congregation. So God is with us. This is my message today in light of Christmas. Wonderful time. Who loves this year, this season of Christmas? How many of y'all hate this season? Is there anyone who hates it? Okay, one person. Two, okay. Two, okay. Um, this is a wonderful time to, to, to celebrate. As Christians, we, we celebrate Christmas all year round. Um, I don't know about you, but I love Christmas music. I mean, I can listen to it in July. I have. You know, I, I think I may even do something crazy, just listen to it every day for 2015, just because. Just a reminder of Christ coming to the earth. It's a time of being with family and friends and enjoying some good music, movies, food. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. So we celebrate the birth of the Savior every single day. We, we're grateful. It is because of his birth that we're able to have be saved. And we do recognize that December 25th is not the day that Jesus was born. I mean, I know I, I used to, I was hurt when I found that out. I was like, what do you mean Jesus was not born on the 25th? I remember being a kid going outside and it's like, man, Jesus, you were born on this day. You know, I remember going to a friend's house and um, they had happy birthday Jesus cake, you know, and instead of a Christmas tree, they had, a, you know, a little fake cake with some lights on it and had Christmas presents underneath. That was corny. Um, so, but we recognize that Jesus was not born on this day. But it's a day that in which some of the world recognized the birth of Christ. As Christians, there's nothing wrong with it. There are people who are on a, a mission to get Christians not to celebrate Christmas. I think that it's nothing wrong with celebrating Christmas. It may not be the day that Jesus was born, but it's a day that the world, some of the world recognizes that the Lord has come. It isn't a high importance that we know the exact day of the birth of the Messiah. We, it doesn't really matter. I think God does this for, on purpose because if we knew the exact day, I think some of us will actually worship that day. Right. You know, just like we don't know the exact day he was he died. And, and you know, oh, on April this uh, April the 6th, he died on a Friday. He got he rose up on, on the 8th. I, I think we would celebrate those things more than the creator, more, more than the one that we should be celebrating. But it is a time, it's, it's, we're celebrating the fact that our Savior came down from heaven and wrapped himself up in flesh to save us from our sins and to unite us with the Father through his blood. This Christmas season is a crazy season. We see stores are making money off of this holiday. So let them make money. But don't you go into debt over this one day. Amen. Come on. Amen. Don't go and try to impress your family members, your family and friends with stuff that you can't afford to buy them. Um, it's really all about Jesus. And so if you don't have it, don't buy it. That, that's a word right there. We can go home on that. If you don't have it, don't buy it or let them talk about you with your wealthy self. Your debt-free self. Amen. Let them talk about you because you are, you're not in debt over this one day. Um, as, Chris, as Christians, we, we can give all year round just because. God gave to us his son and we can give to somebody else. Buy somebody a lunch on January the 16th just because. February 4th just because. Not, you know, not minimizing the day that we celebrate. But if you have it and you, it's in your heart, buy presents. But don't go in debt over it. It's a time to celebrate the Christ. We call it the, the anointed one. Mass is celebration. So Christ's mass, so the celebration of the anointed one. We are celebrating Jesus Christ, that he was born into this world to save sinners like you and I. Um, and he, so we celebrate his first arrival. And then we're looking forward to his second arrival. 
So we're in between before we're in between his first arrival and his second arrival. And we're looking forward to that day. This is enough reason why we should celebrate this day and set aside to honor the birth of our Savior. He became what he was not. Just think about this. God became man. Oh, wow. That, that's, it doesn't even sound right to our ears how God was born. <laughs> Um, he became a human being. The eternal world, word himself appeared. He became a human being and was manifested to us as human beings. The agent of the father became one of us. The doctrine of the incarnation is vital. When God has, when God takes upon flesh, he names it Jesus, which means Joshua. Uh, Yahweh saves. He will save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came, to save us, his people, from our sins. This doctrine is central to the Christian faith. We need to understand the birth of Christ. This time of the year, people celebrate family and giving, and, and they put Christ somewhere in the midst of it. But Christians, we are celebrating this time as a reflection of his first coming and our desperate need for him. It's a reminder that we, we are lost. Man, we need this Jesus to come and save us. This is the promise from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And the seed of the woman shall cruise or bruise the head or crush the head of the serpent and you shall bruise his heel. That's the prophetic utterance from the father. And then in, we see in Exodus and Deuteronomy that, that Moses prophesied about Jesus, that God will raise up a brother like us among our midst, a prophet, and we will hear him. This is the promise that the Old Testament saints look forward to. And we're not looking forward to this promise being fulfilled. We're looking back at this promise being fulfilled. Isaiah said it like this, with his stripes we are healed. First Peter says, with his, by his stripes we were healed. So Peter's looking back at the cross. The Old Testament is looking to the cross. And so we are serving the same Christ. Christ saved the Old Testament saints like he saves us today. And we rejoice over that fact. Christmas is a time to reflect on this. Christ didn't just come to show us an example, but he came to save us. Save us from what and to what? Save us from the wrath of God and our sins and save us to the Father and to good works. Our salvation depends upon the Lord's birth. The incarnation is the doctrine of the eternal second person of the Trinity, becoming human. Jesus, the divine person who has two natures, divine and human. This is called what some has named the hypostatic union. It takes two natures of Christ combined into one person, Jesus Christ. Um, you can't even be saved without believing that Jesus came in the flesh or he was divine. We believe that Christ is both divine and human. So when you and I, when we go to heaven and we spend time with the Father and we look to Upon that face of our Savior, we will see a man, the man Christ Jesus. You know, some people are like, I wonder what God looks like. He's going to be a man. Jesus is a man. So it's okay for people to, when they get their little reward, their awards, say, I want to thank the man upstairs. They're 100% accurate. That used to bother me. I'm like, what do you mean the man upstairs? But Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. So they're right on, even though they might not have understood what they were saying. <laughs> Christmas is about the coming of Christ into the world. It's about the Son of God who existed eternally with the Father as the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. That's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Taking on human nature, becoming man. Let's go there. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. God with us. What a, what a promise. That God is with us. You're never alone. Just remember that. When you're facing whatever you're facing, God 
is with you. Hebrews chapter 1 verse, let's just start with verse 1. Long ago at many times in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So in the Old Testament God used prophets and priests and kings. He anointed them to speak to his people. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. He is, talking about Jesus, is the radiance of of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the, of the majesty on high, having, becoming, having, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And then he goes on and talks about um, the writer of Hebrew is quoting from the book of Psalm and says, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, this is the father speaking of Jesus, he makes his angels no, I'm sorry. Let all God's angels worship him. So anybody tells you to say, don't worship Jesus, go to the scripture. Because the father has says, let the angels worship the son. We're to worship the son, the father, and the spirit. And again, it goes on and says, and of the angels, he said, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, so this is God the Father speaking of God the Son, your throne, O God, so God the Father is calling the Son God, is forever and ever. The scepter of, of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And it goes on and talks about the wonderful things that God has said concerning his son. So here, verse three says, he's the radiance of the glory of God. If you want to see the glory of God, just look at Jesus. If you want to find out God's will, look at Jesus. Jesus is God's will in action. Amen. Amen. So again, this is why we celebrate Christmas. It's about the virgin birth of a child, miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit, so that he is the son of God. Not in the same way that we're sons and daughters of God, but in a, a unique way in which he is. Luke chapter 1 verse 35 tells us. It's about the coming of the fullness of time that had been prophesied by the prophets of old that a ruler would be born into Bethlehem. Micah, Micah chapter 5 verse 2. And a child will be born called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of a Messiah, Anointed One. So let's think about this Jesus who was born. It says, unto us a child is born, a son is given. And we celebrate this Jesus. The government of God's kingdom is placed upon him. This is what Christmas is about. Go with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. Let's take it beyond just opening up the presents on Christmas Day. Having some good food on Christmas Day. Playing games and eating, um, watching movies. But let us break up, open the text and read the text that God has sent us about the birth of his son. Challenge you to do that. My father used to do that to us all the time. All right, we're not going to open presents right now. And we're like, oh, man, all your friends open it. They, open, they started at six o'clock <laughs> and we, we're getting up at seven, eight. And we're like, OK, we eat breakfast. Then dad brings out his King James Bible and we sit down. We're at his feet, him and my mom, and, and he's opening up Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1, and he's telling us the Christmas story. He's unpacking the gospel, the importance of the virgin birth. 
and we're listening, but we're thinking about the presence. Reminds me of humanity, the heart. We want the blessings, but not the blesser. And here he's telling us about this Christ and how he was prophesied. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy. This is the reason why the prophets existed. The kings existed. This is the reason why David is recorded in the scriptures, not for us to emulate, but for us to see the bigger picture of the Christ coming. And so he's unpacking, unpacking this to us and explaining and expounding those scriptures. And then he says, OK, let us get on our knees and worship this Christ. And so we're on the knees. It's cold in that house in Trenton on Kyler Avenue. We're on our knees with no carpet and we're praying. He's he's praying an old saint prayer. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We worship you, Father. Oh, God, thank you for sending Jesus. And I'm thinking, let's open up the present. What did they get me this year? I'm thinking about the food that my mom labored over. I'm thinking about talking with my cousins and see what they got. And, I'm, I, and, and yet we're on our knees and he's praying. He's not praying a five minute prayer. He's praying a 30 minute prayer. Then he wants to go into tongues. Then he wants to interpret. And I'm like, okay, what does this have to do with Jesus? Can I open my present? Can I eat? Can I celebrate? Can I call my grandmother in Arkansas? Can I tell of all what my parents bought me? And then all of a sudden he says, now let's celebrate. Let us open the presents because we realize it's all about Jesus. And so we did that. Then a couple years we went without a Christmas tree. I said, why? Folks thought I, we were Jehovah Witnesses because we didn't have a Christmas tree because he wanted to take our attention off the commercial Christianity and upon the real me meaning. And then he says, you know what? I'm not going to give you any presents until January the 2nd. I'm going to give you some money, probably $150, and go and buy what you want. There's sales on. This is going to be your Christmas present. But on this day, we're going to eat and we're going to pray. And we're going to read the scriptures. Wait a minute, what are you doing to me? Then I go off to Bible college. Don't have a Christmas tree because my parents didn't have one latter years. Come back home and visit, big Christmas tree, big white Christmas tree with lights and, and an angel, a black angel at that on top of the thing. And I'm like, what does this, ha what happened? What happened? You robbed me. And now all of a sudden you, in the, you got little stockings. And I'm like, wait a minute. Growing up, sister went to, went to school. P.J. Hill and says, you know what? I don't believe in Santa Claus. And the teacher's like, whoa, what happened? The kid's crying. Says, if you believe in Santa Claus, you believe in Satan Claus. And the kids are crying and they're like calling mom and dad, complaining this child is telling people that Santa Claus doesn't exist. But then I come back, I see Santa Claus on the wall. I'm like, wait a minute, what happened? Did you lose the faith? Well, praise God. And now we don't have a Christmas tree. <laughs> I don't understand. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that? Here's this teenage girl. She was a teenager. And Joseph is probably older, probably in his 20s, maybe in his 30s. Sound like color purple, right? Um, but Mary is found with child. He, she's in, engaged to be married. And she's like, she got this baby in her. How are you going to explain that? I mean, like, ex explain that to Joseph. Verse 19, and her husband Joseph, being a just man, a righteous man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Says, you know what? I love you, Mary. I don't understand why you cheated on me, but I'm going to hide you. I'm going to divorce you. Even though we've never been intimate, I don't understand how you could be with child. I'm going to put you away quietly. I don't want shame to come to you. And this is what Joseph's thing. Can you imagine Mary trying to explain to Joseph, I have God's baby inside of me. I have God's only son. Like, are you serious? Think I'm going to believe that? I'm divorce you quietly. But what did God do? Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. He didn't even just say Joseph. He, he let him know where he came from. Son of David. 
Do you do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So now God sovereignly makes himself known and his will known to Joseph in a dream. Now, this is not a formula for God to speak to you today. Some people are looking for dreams. What, what do you think that means? What do you maybe God is telling me this is my wife and you don't even know the person. That's not the case. <laughs> you do understand that, right? So don't use, look at that as a formula that that's how God's going to reveal your spouse to you. Verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So now the angel been sent from the father reveals to Joseph the plan of God concerning his wife and the child that's inside of her. To what to name this child? Don't name him Joseph Jr. Don't name him Joe, but name him Jesus, which means Joshua or Yahweh saves. Yahshua saves. So he goes and he says this is and the reason why is because he's going to save his people from their sins. What a powerful um, revelation of the will of God that God made known to Joseph that her, his spouse or his fiance is impregnant by the spirit of God and that he's going to have she's going to have a son and to name that son Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophets. So this all took place because of the prophecies that went ahead of Jesus. So as you're reading the Old Testament, don't read it as a Jewish, uh, uh, Jewish scripture, but read it as Christian scripture. Why? Because it is. It is the prophecies of what is to come. Is everything from the life of Joseph to Moses and to Abraham is not about those characters, but it's about the character, the main actor who is God. How God is working his redemption plan for all of humanity. Do you see that? The, the coming out of Egypt is a representation how God was saving us from Satan. How God was saving his people from the world. Moses representing Jesus, the deliverer, and yet Moses needed to be saved. And how the children of Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years. And Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. What Israel failed at, Jesus succeeded at. Israel failed the test that God put them through in the wilderness, but Jesus succeeded. He didn't yield to the temptation. And so that's why the Bible calls Jesus the Holy One of Israel. He's the only one holy in Israel. Are you with me? And so how God delivered his people from bondage, and yet Moses himself needed the deliverer. And how God was um, portraying what is to come, gave them a preview of the salvation of the Lord. It says, and this took place to fulfill what the prophet spoke, what, what, has spoken, what had been spoken by the prophets. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Man, so this new covenant, this new testament um, reveals to us that God is not afar off, but he's with us. But he's with us in the person of Christ. Amen. 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 That, that's enough to rejoice. And verse 24 says, when Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. He called his name Jesus. Moses was engaged to, the, to Joseph and yet was found with child. Mary, I'm sorry, what did I say? Oh, <laughs> think about Moses. Mary was engaged to Joseph and yet was found with child. Joseph was willing to divorce her quietly, but yet the angel appeared to him to, to tell him to take him, to take her as his wife. 
the thing that is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Call his name Jesus. The purpose is to save his people from their sins. It's the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And then he turns around and he reveals, it is God with us. Jesus is God with us. This God, this unknown God that they only know through the law now has come in the person of Christ. And Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly, revealing to us the ways of God. As we reflect on this Christmas story of the birth of Jesus, we understand God wanted to be with his people. That has always been the desire for, of the Father, is to be with his people. He wanted to be with them. He wanted to dwell among them. One of the promises of the new covenant or the blessing of the new covenant is that God would be with his people. Now, God has revealed himself in Christ that he's with us. He's with us. We're never alone. So stop praying, God be with me today. But start thanking God that he's already with you. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus. Jesus became poor for our sake, leaving heaven, leaving heaven, coming to earth is like leaving riches for rags. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. When you got to say amen. amen. For, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. What does that mean? Does that, is that a promise for financial wealth? No, it's not. It's a promise that for us, to, for Christ to leave heaven, the glories and the riches of heaven for earth is poverty. Amen. When the streets are made out of gold and you come into roads, how many know that you come into poverty now? And he, he came so that we may have rich, be rich in faith, rich in mercy, rich in grace. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, those are the type of riches that we're striving for. Amen. We want to be rich in faith. Rich in grace, rich in, 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 in love. And so he became poor that we may become rich. Romans 8 verse 3 says Jesus is, was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. Romans 1 and 3 says he's made out of the seed of David. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says he was manifested in the flesh. God manifested in the flesh. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. Understand that, that he's 100% God and he's 100% man. God was born, he was born to Mary and Joseph, his stepfather, if we can say that. Um, and, and yet... He came to fulfill the will of the Father. Let's go to a couple of scriptures. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Verse 45. You got to say amen. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Notice, here's Jesus, the son of God, son of man. He came to serve, not to be served. How many pastors and ministers are looking for service from God's people? And yet Jesus displayed the opposite. He says, I came to serve. Guess what? He is serving us even now. What is Jesus doing? He is interceding on our behalf. He is serving us with his prayers. He is going to be serving us throughout all eternity. Amen. The only reason why you and I can serve God is because he served us first. God initiated this relationship. He pursued us. According to Romans 3, we were all in darkness and we were about our own business and God invaded our world. So we see one of the reasons why Jesus came is to serve 
and to, ran and to, to redeem us and to ransom us. Um, and then Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. Go over there. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. You got to say amen. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Notice that Jesus didn't come beforehand. He came in the fullness of time at the right time. There is a due time for God. God, is, God does all things according to his counsel. Just a reminder in your personal life. He does not do things according to your calendar according to my calendar. Amen. I heard on the radio the other day, um, there's a really unscriptural song, a gospel song, supposedly gospel, but it's, it's really not a gospel song. It's really a secular song, um, but they're trying to portray it as a gospel song. And the lady, she was singing, she said, God will not fail you. Oh, no, no, no. God will not allow you to fail. He will bring your dreams to pass. I'm like, hmm, something's wrong with that. Because God will allow you to fail. Yes, he will. He will. Look at Joseph. Mm, Look at Jesus. Oh, Lord. Look at Paul. God will allow you to fail and turn around and use it for his glory. Mm, amen. amen. So I don't know where she got her theology from. It made me want to write a book about music and the gospel and how music has shaped the way we believe about God. Mm. So you got to be careful about even the gospel music that says this gospel you got to be careful about those, those songs. So Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. So Jesus came on time at the right time. Born of a woman, born of woman, born under the law to re redeem those who were under the law that we may receive adoption as sons. So Jesus came in the fullness of time to redeem us who were under the law, that we may receive adoption as sons and daughters, that we may be in his family. This is this Jesus that we serve. His humanity is necessary for him to be our example. Could we relate to a God that did not know how we felt? And yet Jesus is touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He knows what it means to be tempted. So when you're facing temptation, remember Jesus. He was tempted even like we are. No, he didn't have the internet. No, he did not have, the, you know, all the stuff that we're facing. But it's the same thing in nature. Why was it necessary for him to become flesh? Let's look at this. Hebrews chapter 2. It was so important that Jesus bec become flesh, became flesh. Hebrews chapter two, verses 14. Let's look at this. Since therefore the children shared in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. That through death, notice this, through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So Jesus came, it was necessary for him to become a man so that he can feel what we feel. He, he can sense and be able to be a merciful high priest. It's like talking to somebody who's trying to give you counsel of something they don't know anything of. You know, you're trying to tell a woman how to have birth and yet you're a man. This is how you have birth. You know, this is what you do. You know, you're going to start feeling. No, because they study it, but they, they don't have any experience. And so Jesus was the opposite. He says, you know what? 
I'm going to lower myself. I'm going to get low. I'm going to humble myself and become a slave, become a man, and then I'm going to die the worst type of death. There's no excuse. We have a high priest who knows what we're facing. So when all hell is against you, know that Jesus has already been there. <laughs> He's already been where you're going. When you're going through trials and tribulation, welcome to the world of Jesus. He's been there. He knows what it feels like to be lonely. He was on the cross when the father turned his back on his own son. Father, father, why have you forsaken me? And he said, my God, my God. He quoted the scriptures, Psalm 22, crying out. He knows darkness. He's been there. He was without a home. Jesus. He says, you know, people have foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. I mean, Jesus knows poverty. And yet he knows the riches of heaven. He knows what it means to he did not sin. He lived a sinless life. But the Bible says he became sin for us. So the very thing that he suffered was because of our sins. He became that, that punishment for that. He received that punishment. He was cursed so that we may be blessed. He knows what it means to be under the curse of the law. He has since he has received the wrath, the punishment, the judgment of God. What Israel was prophesied to was promised. Do you know that Israel, God pro prophesied that Israel was to suffer and to receive judgment. But did you know that Israel did not receive all the judgments that the prophets prophesied about? But guess who did? Jesus did. What was meant for Israel, Jesus took it. So imagine you have a brother or sister, older brother or sister, who took a punishment for you. That's what Jesus did for us. He received a punishment that we all deserve. So there, there were many miraculous births in Israel's his, history, right? So just because it was miraculous doesn't necessarily mean that it was, um, that how does Jesus' birth is a little bit different? For example, the birth the birth of Isaac, we know that that is unique, right? Because Sarah was of age and she can have kids. And yet God miraculously calls her womb to be open. Um, Samuel, Samson, John the Baptist. But the virgin birth is in the class by itself. So here are some of the reasons. I got three reasons why the virgin birth of Jesus is important. Number one. It was a sign to Israel that God was going to redeem them from their enemies. As you read Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, you see that the miraculous birth of the virgin was a sign to unbelieving King Ahaz that the kings he dreaded would soon be defeated. So Matthew saw this a fulfillment as part of the greater sign of a greater event. So the virgin birth is a sign is to King Ahaz that God was going to defeat his enemies. And it's a greater sign to us and to the people of God that God was going to defeat the enemy. That's one, reason number one. Number two, the virgin birth guards both the deity and the humanity of Christ. The deity and the humanity of Christ. God became human. The child is God. Imagine that. The child is God. What an amazing event. Without the faith of God, it is impossible to believe the incarnation, how God became man. There was a song years ago called, If God Was One of Us. Well, he was. It was, necessary, it was necessary that he should be conceived and born as we are, just as it was necessary that he be tempted as we are. The virgin conception is not only God's entrance into the world, 
But God's taken to himself a human nature by becoming the son of a woman. My third reason is that the virgin birth is a sign that salvation is by the grace of God without human effort. God takes the, the entire initiative and Mary is passive. Mary didn't do anything to receive this favor. God did it himself. Guess what? You cannot make yourself born again. You cannot get saved because you decide to get saved. God has to save you. If God doesn't save you, you're not going to be saved. You can be religious. You can go to church. You can read your Bible. You can pay your tithes. You can usher. You can dance. You can sing. You can work in children. Unless God saves you, you're not going to be saved. You can even get baptized and still not be saved. So God has to save you. So the virgin birth reminds us of the fact that it is God's doing. Our salvation is of grace, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Let's go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Verse 13. It says, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Um, this is talking about being saved, being born again, being a child of God. And we're born again by the will of God, not the will of the flesh. Likewise, the virgin birth, Jesus was born by the will of God. Mary did not pray for this. As you read Luke chapter one, she did not seek for this. It happened to her. Well, guess what? When you, get, when you got saved, it happened to you, right? You didn't seek it. You were in darkness, and God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were not looking for Christ. He came looking for you. That's what the virgin birth reminds us of, of as Christians. He came, I was doing my own thing, thinking that I, I go to church, I do this, I go to this event. Bam! Oh, what happened? All of a sudden, he saved you. A friend came over to your house and witnessed to you about Jesus. Well, I didn't expect you to come over and tell me about Jesus. I just expect you to come over and make some music or, or to, to look at TV. And now you're sharing Jesus with me. Right? That's how we got saved. You didn't say, oh, I think I get saved today. <laughs> you, you are looking for a, a life where it's, it's going to demand you to read scriptures every day, pray, give 10% of my earnings to a church. You got to be kidding Give my time, give my talent, I could be doing something else. And God saved you. God placed a desire in your heart to do what you could not do on your own. That's God at work. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So here, Mary says, according to your word. What is she going to say? Oh, I don't want this. I mean, she had no choice in the matter. Are you with me? Oh, you don't believe me. Let's read this, okay? Verse 26. In the sixth month of the... Uh, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of, of the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Notice that it highlights that she was a virgin. He came to her and said, greetings. Can you imagine the angel showing up to your house says greetings? Uh, hey, I thought you were a baby with wings. Like, really? Oh, favorite one, the Lord is with you. Favorite one, what did I do? But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Most of the time throughout scripture, you see when an angel appears to somebody, do not be afraid. 
some of y'all think y'all want to see an angel. God allows you to see an angel. You will not be saying, oh, man, Gabriel, what's up, dog? What you up to? And you'd be like, oh, my goodness, Jesus is here. Some of y'all want Jesus to come in your room? He'll show up. Awesome on my face. When we see his face, we're going to be. <laughs> exactly. You're going to. You good. I, <laughs> I thought I was. My whole life was worth one moment of Hallelujah. in your presence. And the Bible says, in the fullness, in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. And the Bible says in 1 Peter, joy unspeakable. Oh, Jesus. I can't even speak of this joy. This world can't take it away. It's, it's undeniable. When you get saved for real, it's undeniable. This faith begins to grow in you. This Jesus begins to conform you to his own image. His spirit is at work in you. Mary says, I don't know what to say. Verse 31, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I'm thinking, why did she find favor with God? And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Okay, uh, how did this happen? He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Can you imagine Mary receiving this news? I don't think she was prideful. I think she was humbled even more. Like, why, you chose me? Thank you, Lord. When we get saved, that should be our response. You, I know he was going to save me. No. Uh, you saved me? You should have saved somebody else. Verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Like, wow. <laughs> okay. I guess this is good. Verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her whom was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. God makes the virgin pregnant, the old woman pregnant, too. That's that. He does the impossible. Verse 38. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And here Mary is responding, be it unto me according to for somehow, for some reason, some way, God was able to put faith in Mary for this. It says, be it unto me. I believe this. I receive this unto the Lord. And it goes on and it talks about Mary's song of praise. So real quick. Here we go. Um, let's go look at Luke chapter two. Well, let me give you three meanings of Christmas, three meanings of Christmas. One is God is truthful. Christmas means God is truthful. He can be trusted. He has kept his word. That's Romans 15 verse eight. You don't believe me. Go over there. Romans 15 verse eight. I need you to see this. When the last time you was in Romans? A couple weeks ago, because I'm reading the Bible plan. Exactly. On Romans chapter 15, verse 8, Romans chapter 15, verse 8 says this, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show what? God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the pa pa patriots. Pa pa well, is that right? Patriots. Pa thank you. <laughs> in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. So here it says. Jesus was shown as God's truthfulness. Christmas means that God is truthful, 
that he can be trusted. He has fulfilled his promise. Number two, Christmas means that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus given himself to die for you and to serve you for all of eternity. That's what Christmas means. Number three, Christmas means that God is coming to bless you. God is coming to bless you. I can stop there, but I got a couple more, and then we're going to call it a day. Luke chapter 2, verses, verses 11 through 14. This is what the angels appeared to the shepherds, said this. Verse, Luke chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. It says, for, to, for, unto us, uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. Let's stop there. So here the angel appeared to, to the shepherds and says, I bring you good news of great joy. A son is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. A sign is that you're going to find him in a manger. He's going to be in swaddling cloths, lying there. And then suddenly there was a, a multitude of angels praising God. Ima imagine that. Here's God been born as a babe and angels are praising him. Multitudes of angels. Thou, I can imagine billions of angels praising God, giving glory to God. And it goes on, it says, and this is what they were saying, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So I'll give you four things and then we'll call it a day. One, God is glorified in the birth of his son. So as you praise Jesus, you're glorifying God the Father. God is glorified in the birth of his son. He's glory. He gets glory. Glory to God in the highest. What were they glorifying God for? For the birth of the Son of God. The birth of God make, been made a man. Number two, we have peace with God. It says peace. What does it say? And on earth, peace among those whom he's pleased. So we have peace with God. It's because of Jesus we have peace with God. Amen. Amen. We have peace with God. Romans chapter five, verses one and two. Peace with God. And then number three, we have peace within ourselves. Philippians four, five, chapter four, verses five through seven. And the peace of God, which passes all your understanding, should keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. So we have peace with God and peace within ourselves. And number four, we have peace with others. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, if possible, live, live within peace with, with everyone. So this is the purpose of Christ's coming. There are many more reasons, but these are just a few. That God is with us. He can be trusted. He came to serve and to save us. His coming came to bless us. God is glorified in the birth of his son. We have peace with God. No longer are we enemies of God. Now we are sons and daughters and slaves of God. And we have peace within ourselves and we have peace with others. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We love you. We bless you. Thank you, Father, for the Son of God coming to die for us in our place. We receive this eternal life. Lord, we rejoice. God, I pray that your people would know the joy of their salvation. I don't think we know joy like we're supposed to know it. God, I pray as we go through this season, may there be joy. And let it not just be for this season, but for all eternity. Joy that we've never known before. God, I, I, I sense heaviness on some, and I pray that you'll lift up that heaviness and remove it and give joy, where there's depression, where there's um, just this downcast spirit, I pray that there'll be joy. 
in the midst of a trial, in the midst of situations and circumstances, and even distress, may there be joy in the name of Jesus. Lift up your hands. Say, Father, Father I, come you I come before you by the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And, I and I receive the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Help me to understand, me to understand the, joy. the joy. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen.